I'm launching a course called Successful ADHD Entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur for a long time, and I've had ADHD for a little bit longer than that. Over that time, I've learned quite a few things that make me quite effective. People even call me organized. After many people asked me to, I have created a course to share what I've learned with you. Get details at neurodiversity.me course. The first run is limited to only 20 students, and the first class is April 20th, so don't put this one off neurodiversity.me slash course. My name is Michael Whitehouse, the guy who knows a guy. I'm a global connector, networking concierge, and coach. For two decades, I believed that my ADHD was a disability. Only at the age of 41 would I come to realize that my ADHD was an incredible asset, and when I leaned into that, I achieved greater success than ever before. ADHD is the engine behind my own success as a networker and coach. Over the past few years, I've spoken with thousands of entrepreneurs and found that many of them have some kind of neurodiverse diagnosis, ADHD, autism, dyslexia, OCD, and more. Like me, for many of them, their neurodiversity is indeed the very source of their success. On this show, we will change the narrative on neurodiversity. I've heard enough about the challenges and how hard it can be. I want to hear about how awesome we are. It's time to start talking about how our neurodiversity can be an asset for ourselves, our communities, and our businesses. It's time to start talking about neurodiversity superpowers. Welcome once again to the Neurodiversity Superpowers show. We have an awesome superpowered neurodiverse person here with us today. Tiffany Taylor is a global speaker, coach, and mentor for powerful business leaders. She can make any highly effective CEO collapse their financial trajectory by becoming so effective they never have to use a to-do list again, even if they have ADHD. And she helps clients to reclaim up to 40 hours of their week so they can refocus on intentionally structuring their growth and their brand story. Her private clients generally three to five X their revenue in under six months while feeling supported in fully embodying the most successful future version of themselves. So I'm excited to talk to her. I bet you're excited to hear from her listeners. Welcome to the show, Tiffany. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, great to have you here. So let's start with our usual kicking off question. Describe how you're successful. You know, I love that question because I think we use that word success all the time. And I, what I found is that everyone has a different meaning behind it. Mm-hmm. So to me at a very young age, I didn't quite understand what success was. I had the recognition that everyone used it differently. So fun story for you. I actually went around while I was traveling the world and I interviewed over about, I would say between 30 and 50 people and asked the question, what is success? What does it mean to you? Mm. How do you know that you're successful? And then from meeting all these people, I was able to create my own idea. So for me personally, how I find myself successful is I wake up every day full of energy to a life I absolutely love. I am just so turned on by life. I'm so in love and passionate about what I get to do every day. And that's completely within my own control because I've built it that way. On the outside, how am I successful? I retired from corporate at 22. I was one of those whiz kids that like graduated high school at 15. I've traveled through 35 countries solo in the last six years. Um, Every time I look at my bank account, it's just growing. And I, I think the more important thing is... I get to do what I love every day and I have complete control over my time. I have complete control over where I am, like my geography, and also complete control over my finances, which is just so liberating. Wow. Now, what's a bad connection? Because it sounded like you said you got you retired at 22. 
22, 22, I was like, corporate's just not for me. And I'm sure anyone else um, who's neurodiverse has probably had that feeling before. Like, oh, it's not for me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 22, I was starting my first failed business. So. Yeah. Well, I wish I could tell you that was like an easy decision of like, yeah, I'm going to leave corporate. And to be honest with you, it wasn't. It was, um, I'd heard about burnout before. Uh-huh. But I about it in the context that that's something that happens to you in your 40s, like later on in life. And that's where it happens. I, I wasn't aware it was actually something that happens to the nervous system um, when mm-hmm. you're overstressed. So I had no awareness of this. So I burnt out actually at 22. My first paid vacation, I was in the most expensive stay of all in the hospital twice that week. Um, wow. I, I just couldn't keep up. That, that is definitely one of the most expensive resorts you can attend. Mm-hmm. Exactly, uh, but it's all inclusive. Of course, they <laughs> right. charge you for everything separately. But anyway, <laughs> um, so and so, how are you neurodiverse? I have ADHD. I love ADHD. That's my favorite neurodiversity because it's mine. I love it too. I'm I'm really really grateful that I have it. I, I like to think of it as my superpower and. I always really connect with other people when I find out they have it too. Well, actually, mm-hmm. I usually connect with them first. Then I'm like, oh, wait, you have ADHD. That makes sense. We just get each other. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, and you said, you know, you have a couple others that uh, that boost your ADHD? Yeah. Uh, OCD as well. Definitely supercharges it. I know Dr. Amen talks a lot about it. Not sure much research you've done. Um, OCD definitely supercharges having ADHD. Some people think it balances it. It absolutely does not. It just supercharges <laughs> the effect. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, oh, you have a fire. Let's just per- pour some gasoline over it. <laughs> mm, yeah, yes. And a few other disorders as well, which I like to be, one thing about my brand that I was very intentional about from the beginning is being totally transparent about all the things that I have. And I'm not going to say that they're disadvantages or disorders. It's like, we're all humans. We all have human yep. experiences and everyone has advantages and disadvantages. Um, and all, also a lot of that is, up to your perception, but I like to make it really clear. You know, I have this really strong brand now, and I have this really strong business. And what hurts me is to hear, "Oh, it's just natural for you. You're just naturally good on camera. Uh. <laughs> it's just easy for some people. Are just meant to have businesses." And you know, I, I, if I'm being honest with you, I cringe when I hear this because I worked so hard to get here. Oh yeah is why I'm so passionate about sharing. Like it was not always like this. Um, growing up, I was constantly being bullied and teased in school because I have what's called trichotillomania. So yeah. on top of general OCD, I have the hair pulling disorder. I have generalized anxiety disorder. You know, I was tested as a kid and I was tested in the 98th percentile for anxiety in the country, which is like unheard of. Right. And then, you know, on top of PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, um, and then also panic attack disorder. Panic attack disorder, I don't think it's talked about so much. Yep. Uh, I don't think everyone knows the difference between a panic attack and an anxiety attack. Are you familiar? Uh, I actually didn't know the difference. I thought they were the same. So I'm yeah, about to learn most, something. Yeah. And uh, most people do think they're the same thing. So anxiety can generally, an anxiety attack can generally last hours. Okay. Panic attack generally lasts up to one hour and it's extremely acute. And I remember speaking um, to a paramedic before and they said up to 50 to 60% of the calls they get for 911 where people think they're having a heart attack, they're actually panic attacks. Uh, okay. You actually can't tell the difference between the two in the way mm-hmm. we're experiencing it. So it's a lot more um, of an acute experience that you have where you just cannot control it. Hmm. Yeah. So definitely some, those, those could be challenging. Could be challenging if you're on the pursuit of success, right? Yeah. 
You want a little bit of fulfilling life. It could definitely add um, a little more challenges in the way. Yeah, and, and I, I love your point there about how people are are they see you successful and they're like, oh, you must have gotten lucky. You know, what one of my missions, and partly with this podcast and partly this in general, is I see so many people who I look at and say, if if they only knew a little bit more about how to make connections, they can shift little mindset shift. They don't need that much to go from struggling to comfortable. Now, millionaire, maybe maybe not, but comfortable, you know, a good place where most American workers aren't. And when I share that publicly, I sometimes get pushback as it happened recently. I made a post about, about how I see these people who are, you know, one step away. And I got, I, the, one of the comments just like, this is so classist and ableist. And I'm like, ableist, do you know my story? I failed for 20 years. I didn't make a five figure income until I was 27, but people see a white haired white guy and assume, oh yeah, he must have just you know done followed the white guy path, and and of mm. course now he's a coach telling us about how easy things are, and and I, I try to make a point of sharing the the hard part. And actually, I made a, uh, a a Facebook post recently when I was having a bad day, feeling really burned out, and basically saying I want to share my current state right now because you're not going to see me on video like this. Because first off, when I turn the camera on, I become video guy. But like, I would, like this, I also have bad nights. I also have times when I'm bummed out. I also get burned out. Um, and I think a lot of people, they they assume that when someone's successful, well, you know, of course, they're, they're that kind of person. So, of course, they got that. Yeah, I see it all the time. And that can be, you know, such a setback that we that they, they self-impose by recreating that idea. Yep. You know, that the, the haves and the have nots. I've heard this so many times. Uh-huh. Uh, it's so much more about mindset than it is about that. I know, you know, especially when you start to add in things like, oh, well, you're white and you're older or I'm female and you start to add in all these things. I think really what we need is a more unified world and more unified way of thinking of like, mm-hmm. we are all human and we all have different setbacks. And what yep. can I learn from the person in front of me? Doesn't matter what they look like, where they come from, what their culture is, you know, what their experience is. I really believe any single person you meet, you have something to learn from. And I think if we just dialed back to the fact that we're human first mm-hmm. and we find the lessons to learn, when you when you start taking a more compassionate view of all people, whether they came from money or not, because it goes in both directions. Yep. You know, when you take that step back, you're not opening yourself to learning something new. And when you take a closer look, you're almost always going to find that people are absolutely there to support you also regardless of where they're from yes absolutely so so one thing i want to go back to is you mentioned that that you were you're glad you have adhd and wouldn't trade it in fact in the notes uh when i said anything else you want to cover you said adhd equals super brain so talk a little bit about super brain yeah so adhd is a funny thing right i i i think like most people were taught that oh it just makes it really hard for it to be you know good in school makes it hard to focus you could have a really hard time and by the way you know this is just the way life is for you going forward like that's just the way it is and it's always going to be this way and uh, i'm a bit of a rebel by personality type and i just <laughs> wasn't buying into this i was like no 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 i don't think that's the way and they don't they want to be on medication and for anyone that's taking the medication I've heard this is very common. It just, it didn't work for me. It didn't. I felt very numb. I felt like a zombie. I felt like my personality was gone. I was antisocial. And I, just, I just didn't feel like myself. Mm-hmm. So I remember thinking, like, I have to find another way. And as I started to experiment and learn more, what I found is that ADHD was a blessing in the way that I was kind of almost allergic to BS, right? <laughs> allergic <laughs> to things that, I, that didn't excite me. And what I find is that, I think on the average, the average person 
has a very high tolerance for monotony, mm. very high tolerance for things that aren't aligned for them. And they just go with the flow and just, they have that is, it is what it is mentality, or we'll just do it. We'll see what everyone else is doing. And they tend to accept a lot of things that maybe aren't aligned for them. Yeah. And what yeah. I learned with ADHD is my life. I, I don't want to do that. I have a very low threshold for that, which is actually a blessing because whereas I can be very impulsive and make extreme life changes very quickly, other people might have to wait years, decades, or even until you know some traumatic experience happens for them to have the courage or the energy to make that change. For me, I could do it a lot quicker. And I see that as the ultimate blessing. I love that. And yeah, so our, our guest last week, Tim B. Green, um, also has ADHD and he was... Yeah, we, I, I said I, I like to define ADHD as the inability to pay attention to boring things. Um, exactly. And he was saying something very similar that like ADHD makes you impatient. And and, and he also uh, he said, I think on his show that that, you know, if if you have an audience of people, you know, or a classroom or whatever, the ADHD kid or the ADHD audience member is going to tell you you're boring. The rest of the audience won't tell you they're boring, but they're still bored and they're still probably not paying attention. It's just one of them is going to tell you. And and give yeah. you that feedback, which can be important. It's not like, oh, well, you have ADHD. Everyone else can pay attention. No, they can't. They can fake it better. I can see that. I can yep. definitely see that. Um, it, 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 like, what I like about ADHD is it strengthens the relationship you have with yourself. Mm. Because you're so honest. You're like brutally honest. And I think more people need more of that in their lives. Oh, I, I like that. need that honesty themselves because it comes back to one of my favorite words, integrity. Yeah. Be true to yourself. Yeah, and, you know, I had a really great coaching call not long ago about this word. Um, and I think, I think just like with the word success, language just changes over time. We tend to have an idea about what a word means, or we tend to create our own emotional connection or connotation to the word, and we distance ourselves from the actual definition. And what a lot of people think integrity is is holding on to your commitments and doing what mm-hmm. you say you're going to do. And you know, if you tell someone you're going to do something, doing it, and that's actually not what integrity is. It's a state of being honest, mm-hmm. it's a state of being undivided, it's a state of being whole. You know, this is all the, the reference point for that is you being honest with yourself, being integrity with yourself. So I think ADHD actually supports integrity. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think it's, I, I love what you're saying there because I, I, I like to say, I mean, I, I don't lie because I morally don't like lying, but I also can't keep track of the truth if I'm not telling it. So like, I don't lie because I will totally get caught. So I'm like, wait, what was I saying before? What was the story? I can't remember. Well, whatever. Here's the truth. Here's what I think. Um, and so, yeah, it's, I think ADHD, one of the things we don't have is the ability to to stay out of integrity. Yeah. Because we forget what we're supposed to be. We're like, oh, I, I'm just this. So I don't remember what it's supposed to be. So I'm just going to be this thing. And let me tell you, that's such a gift as well when you're building a business and you're building a brand for yourself as well. Because I think so many people find that, they think the route success is by copying others, by modeling others. And in a way, modeling, mm-hmm. absolutely. But being yourself is truly the only long-term strategy for being successful as your own brand. It's the only way. Interesting. Um, so this may be related or it may not. I'm curious to find out. Uh, in, in the bio, we, you said that you can uh, make any highly effective CEO class trajectory by never having to use a, or so they never have to use a to-do list again. And I'm yeah. curious about what that means. How do you never have to use a to-do list again? Yeah. So to-do list, you know, before I got really into branding, it was a lot around productivity and working with, with CEOs and entrepreneurs. And I still do on a one-on-one basis. But what I find is that 
a lot of us still use to-do lists. And this is shocking to me because where did to-do lists come from? To-do lists, oh boy. <laughs> Are you ready for a rant? All right, <laughs> let's hear it. Sitting and aren't seeing the audio. He's holding up his to-do list. So here's the thing about to-do lists. We learn about to-do lists when we're in school. Mm. And it's a great tool when we're in school because we have a task list for our studies and we get to prioritize a few things here and there. And it's a really great tool to keep us focused. But what happens is we get older. We're no longer just a student. Now we're maybe we're a student and we have a job and now we have household chores. Maybe we have a partner or a spouse that we're also taking care of. We have different roles in different people's lives and all of them require different um, ideas and tasks and responsibilities that we have. Maybe different brainstorming that needs to take place. So what happens is when you take some such a simple tool like a to-do list mm-hmm. and you try to put your whole life on it, it's oh, no yeah. longer a to-do list. It's a life list. Yeah. All, it's not even tasks anymore. It's entire projects. And what happens is you look at it and you just get overwhelmed. And more times than not, what I see people doing is they'll create a to-do list. They'll go do something that's not on the list. They'll come <laughs> back. They'll add it to the list so they can cross it off all the time. Guilty also, right? Everyone uh, does this. Or they'll look at the list. They'll get overwhelmed. And they just won't work. Or they get overwhelmed and they just get frustrated. And I've interviewed hundreds of entrepreneurs on this as well. Sometimes the oldest thing on the list has been there for over two years. I've heard, I've heard up to four years, the, the oldest list on the to-do list item, right? So the, the trouble with to-do list is it creates this false reality where you can actually get all the things done. And that's just not true. Oh, we all have okay. a limited amount of time in the day. We all have a limited amount of hours. And it also allows you to sit in this state of trying. I'm going to try to do these things. One mm. of the first things I teach my clients is to just eliminate that word from the vocabulary entirely. Just delete the word try as if it doesn't exist and don't use it. Have your colleagues or your friends or your kids pinch you if they hear the word try, <laughs> right? Because there's no such thing not to be Yoda on you, but there actually isn't. And for the audience listening, this might be a fun exercise for you. Go ahead and take a pen and put it on the desk and look at it. Yep. There we go. Put the desk. Look and what I'd like you to do is go ahead and try to pick it up. Okay. Are you holding it? I'm holding it. Okay. So you didn't try because you did it. Oh, yeah, I just did it. Yeah. Oh, no. See? So <laughs> trying is what, what happens when you put excessive effort into something without getting a result. Oh, interesting. It, that way. Think about every time during the day you might use the word try. But you're going to make plans. I'm going to make a ton of effort to make this plan, but there's not going to be a result. It's not going to go through. It sounds silly, right? Yep. But we tell like ourselves that. every day, I'm going to try to get through this list today. Well, you're going to do it and you're going to commit to doing it, which means you have to create a plan and hold yourself accountable or you're just not going to do it. And a lot of times, sometimes we just need to say, I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. That's not the most important thing for me right now. That's yeah. not a priority right now. Give yourself the blessing of just taking it off your mind. And, I, it just I, away. Uh, and that's that's something I do. You know, some people have probably heard me say something like, I'm going to, uh, I, I would like to make this introduction for you, but I don't have any place to write it down. So if you don't get it from me in the next 24 hours, email me because I forgot. Um, and it's, it's, it's taking it from try to, I acknowledge this is not a high enough priority to make sure I do it, but I'd like to do it, but I'm not definitely going to do it. So but as opposed to, yeah, I'll try. And then someone, you know, two days later, Hey, why didn't he do that? Why didn't he follow through? I didn't promise follow through. I promised to it's in the universe. I'll try to do it. Um, but understanding that try is not do try is that'd be nice. Um, yeah. And, and I, I found you about the to-do list really interesting. Um, 
first off, very validating because that's not how I do to do lists. Uh, because because I, I totally yeah that that idea of the projects and the overwhelming. I I use the to do list as I take the projects and break it out into component parts because I can't you know I can't launch a summit. I can invite speakers. I can send an email to invite speakers. I can write swipe copy. I can't launch a summit like that's a project. So my my list is is all the component parts of the projects so that I know when I'm sitting in front of a computer, be like, uh, what am I doing next? Oh, let me pull the list off and grab the top thing on it with the full understanding that there will be things left over. I I think I've cleared the list maybe seven out of the last 52 weeks, but that's okay. Cause I then the next week take what's left and either move it to the next week or say, this ain't getting done. Like I dropped a couple things when I went from last week to this week. Cause I said, I'd like to get these things done. I'm not going to do them. It's not going to happen. I'm going to stop wasting ink on them. But I actually copy the list over every week. So there's nothing four years old in that list because that had to be, for something to be four years old, I would have had to reevaluate it 200 times and be like, yep, still, still going to, still working on that. Still, you know, and yeah. I, honest enough, but, but, you know, I, I can certainly see how the to do list could be, um, especially if you, if you keep one running list and there's no, you don't have to write it down again and, and go back into it. I could see how it could be this kind of thing that hangs. And yes, definitely having one to-do list for your life sounds. Yeah. Most people just make a list, like all the things for everything. And, you know, even in the business, if you're, if you're say a solopreneur and you're wearing all the hats in your business, mm-hmm. the list has things from all the hats and switching tasks is really inefficient for the brain, especially mm. ADHD. You want yep. to be a single tasker and you want to minimize the amount of tasks you're switching to yep. moment to moment, hour to hour within a day. Now, the other thing I'm a big fan of, if you're going to build a business and we're talking about numbers here is having metrics. Mm. Uh, first thing you need when you're about to do anything, you have to start with intention. You have to know where you're going. You have to have a vision, whether that's a vision for your health goal or your business goal or your relationship goal. You have to kind of know what you, you have to see it, right? You have to see where you want to go from there. You can create goals. And when you create a goal, the only point of creating a goal is to commit to it. And an act of committing to that is creating a, a proper strategy or a plan. Mm. If you're going to create a plan and a strategy that you're you're absolutely committed to, that means you need metrics. You need to measure it. You need to know if you're making progress or not. You have to know if you're on the right timeline or things are getting delayed. Like you need accountability. The other trouble with the to-do list is the only accountability is you check something off. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're using, for example, a digital calendar system, you can look week to week and know where all of your time is going. What percentage of your time last week did you spend working in the business versus on the business? You know, looking back after a month, maybe you're not where you wanted to be at this point. You get to look back at the calendar and say exactly where did I spend my time and how can I take that feedback and use it so that I'm even better next month? Interesting. That feedback is how we learn. Just like building a business, we build the minimum viable product. And we get lots and lots of feedback. We make it better and better and better. And we get, you know, the iPhone 13 after many, after many, many revisions, right? You don't start with the 13, but the feedback is what helps make it better. And I think everyone needs to use a tool that gives you feedback so you can learn from your own way of being. Mm, Okay. Uh, And and so what what kind of calendar tools would someone use to keep track of where they're spending their time and how they're doing that? So I only recommend Google Calendar for this. Okay. I don't recommend iCal. I, do, I definitely don't recommend Outlook or any others. Google Calendar, plain and simple, free, the best calendar app out there for mm-hmm. tracking like this. Because you can also start to track energy levels, right? A lot of times we have more than enough time to get all the things done. We just don't have enough energy 
to get them done. Yeah. So the first questions I ask someone when they say they don't have enough time, is it, do you don't have enough time or you don't have enough energy to use the time that you have? All right. And so using Google, because I, I use, actually have a second screen. My Google Calendar is right here, right next to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but so when I, would you use it to, would you put things down after the fact of like, this is what I did during this time? Or how do you use that? Yeah. So in the beginning, if someone's never used Google Calendar before, I say, let the calendar shadow you. Just hold yourself accountable. Where did this last hour go? Okay, what did you do now? So for a week or two, just let it follow you so you can see where your time is going. Hmm. And then when you get the flow of it, create what you want your week to look like. And okay. then every day, adjust it to show the reality of what happened. Interesting. Um, yeah, because I, I tried using Google Calendar. So the reason I use the list now is I tried using the calendar to say, okay, I'm going to do the most obviously the most urgent things are going to go first. I'm like, all right, so Monday from 9 to 9.30, I'll do this thing. And 9.30 to 10, I'd do this. And 10 to 11, I'd do this. And then what would happen was something would come up. Um, you know, something come up in the morning or, I, or I'd have to get my daughter to school or whatever. And that would, of course, impact the first thing in the morning, which is where I put the most urgent, important thing that had to get done. So then I had to take time to reorganize the calendar which then took more time, which threw off the calendar further. Um, and so I found it worked better to have a, a flowing list mm-hmm. um, that I could just grab from and have work blocks. Um, but I, yeah, I, I find that concept interesting of, of tracking the, I, I just always wondered how to track how the time was used without spending too much time, without spending more time tracking and analyzing than it actually saves. Yeah. So with that, you know, it shouldn't take more than I say five minutes a day to update the calendar to show your time actually went. Because if you hover over any event, it'll mm-hmm. show the arrows pointing up and down and you can just drag the event shorter or longer. Right, right. Yeah. And if something comes up, that's what I love about the calendar. It's just so easy to drag and drop things. Mm-hmm. See, that's perfect feedback that you could have used. I had, you know, four hours of unexpected things come up this week. Maybe the next week, the same thing happens. Everyone, this is what I hear with calendars. Oh, something came up. Oh, something came up. I can tell you right now, 90, I would say 95% of people underestimate how frequently and how often things come up. Yes. Which is why people are chronically behind schedule. But if instead you flip the perspective here and say, okay, I can expect four hours of unexpected things to come up, which means on my Friday afternoon, I'm leaving four hours just open because no matter what, I'm committed to getting these, these things done. If I need extra time, I have it there. What that forces you to do is take a work week of five days and even further prioritize where most people won't further prioritize as if you only have a four day work week, anything extra that could have been delegated. Now you have a reason to do it. Anything extra that could have been deleted, now you're you have the pressure to do it. Interesting. All right. You're yeah. getting ahead of schedule. Yeah. I gotta say this is why like Saturday morning is my favorite time to work because it's off my calendar. Like my calendar is Monday through Friday. I work Monday through Friday. And then Saturday is like bonus time. So nothing can come up. It's separate. And and like this, the podcast we're on, I told you it was gonna launch September. We're talking in August, and it's this episode will be out in the next seven days because I sat down one Saturday morning. Um, cause I had an opportunity to get it promoted by a, by a partner. I sat down on Saturday morning. I'm like, I'm getting this podcast out. I'm sitting here until the podcast is out, cut the cover photos, you know, everything is done, but I'm going through the whole process and getting it done because it was Saturday morning. Nothing comes up on Saturday mornings. Cause that is like time out of time. Um, but yeah, it, I, I hadn't thought about using the calendar to look backwards. I only use it to look forwards of like, what am I going to do? And then once it's passed, I'm like, oh, great out done. That's the past. But you're using it for you to see. And I can also be very powerful to see like, oh, I spend two hours a week 
you know, doing this menial task that I could totally hand off to my VA and she could do that. I didn't realize I spent that much time on that. Exactly. Exactly. And then energy levels is right as well, right? Wow. Mm-hmm. By 3 p.m., I need a nap. Why am I out of energy at this hour? What can I shift around differently? Mm, yeah, that, wow. that I, I had figured out. I yeah, had, I wow. That. I keep telling myself I'm going to work out, but it's just not happening. What can I do? You get to switch the calendar around, make it a priority. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, this... Most people I, I def- try to choose the tasks. Yeah, yeah. So I, I put all my meetings in the afternoon and all my my work stuff in the morning because I can't not do a meeting. It's on the calendar. I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna show up, and I'm an extrovert, so people energize me. Whereas the morning is when I have the most energy to do self directed things. So that that is something I was able to realize. But I can certainly see how the calendar is really powerful to to mark those things there, and and I could also see now is this the core of how you how you get these kinds of results for your for your clients? I wouldn't say it's the core, but it's certainly the beginning foundation of working with all of my clients. Definitely. Okay. Yeah, I've I helped the most productive people, you know, gain an extra 30 hours a week they thought they didn't have. The most I've gained back is 55 hours in someone's week. And How many hours were they working total? <laughs> a lot. Yeah. <laughs> gained back 55. That's a lot. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's pretty good. You must have some kind of super brain to be able to do this sort of thing. It's it's all it's all data analysis, isn't it? Looking mm-hmm. at our own data. You know, I really like this quote. It's it's a along the lines of how you do one thing is how you do most things. Yeah. I don't believe how you do one thing is how you do everything. I think some people use it that way, and I don't believe that to be true. I do believe how you do one thing is how you do most things. Mm-hmm. So if you are working from a list and constantly behind on something, you get to look at where else you're doing that in life. And when I started to realize this is the way of of the way things are, I started looking at my life as a whole. Where else am I doing these things? And so recently I decided to um, go on a weight loss journey because I just am healing right now from a knee surgery, haven't been able to properly work out in two years, um, and I'm finally ready to get back in the gym. And so I approached this the same way I approach a business. Okay, what is the goal? Mm-hmm. Okay, who can I hire to help me and support this? What metrics do I need for to support the goal, the systems? How can I add more accountability in it? Okay, and what needs to be done? That way I have a fail-proof system to getting there. Whereas most people do, I'm just going to start working out. I'm going to try to eat better. I'm going to do da 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 You see, you see the difference? <laughs> yep. I went at this like I want every single rep to count because someone's going to be there pushing me to make sure, and someone's gonna have my back when I'm tired or when I feel like giving up. Interesting. Yeah, I, I'm. Yeah, I can see it. I can see the power of that because I, I had been taking karate, which is at five o'clock in the afternoon, which is the worst possible time of day based on where my energy levels are. But I, I enjoyed it at first, and I got busy. And I think some of that is because it's like a you know, what's the what am I doing this for? Um, like I'm not gonna. I don't tend to get in fights, so you know it's not for that. I I'm not gonna join a karate tournament. And uh, it kind of gets me in more in better shape, but not in a goal-oriented, measurable way. So my success was based on like going twice a week. So it was on doing it, but then I missed a few and then some other things happened. And and um, I, no, I haven't been there in two months, partly because my back mm-hmm. and my knees. But, but yeah, as I'm thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, how does that align to goals and the rest of the picture? And that's probably why it fell off the back because it doesn't align to anything else I'm uh, anything else I'm trying to do. And to think about anything, yeah, anything you're trying to do is, is focus on what do you what do you want to get from it, which is of course what I teach people. 
focus on the goals. Where are you going? Go seven levels deep. What is the purpose of this? Um, you have to and, know the big R, the, how it's relevant to the vision. Yes. That's, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is hugely powerful. Um, so for someone out there who who has, you know, ADHD or OCD or any number of things um, and maybe is still thinking that they they suffer with a disability that's holding them back. What would your advice to them be? To take a very critical look at where their advantages are. Mm. If they're still here, that's a good tell. They might not have found out what they're passionate about first. And so rather, this is non-traditional advice here, but rather than trying to focus and focusing on focus itself, (laughs) shifting that to focusing on finding a passion, try, experiment, try everything, experiment with everything, learn what other people are doing, find out what makes you tick. A great tip I got a few years ago, actually, my mom gave this one to me, to go find any university and look at the curriculum. Like, look at all the different pathways of degrees, look mm-hmm. at all the different topics, and just see which ones you're attracted to the most. Not to actually go and take the classes, but just see as topics, which ones mm-hmm. are you drawn to the most? Did, what would you enjoy learning about? Just like a know? menu. Yes, looking at it like a menu. What would yeah. you enjoy learning about? What kind of people do you want to meet? Starting there is finding the passion. Because when you find your passion, well, there's nothing stopping you. Mm-hmm. And that, I don't say that to be cliche, but I mean, especially for ADHD, if you enjoy learning about it, you have a superpower, but like anything else, you have to tap into it. So if you're so frustrated, just know there's something there that you might not have tapped into yet. But if you push and if you knock on the doors, you're going to find it. You know, what I can do is exactly like you said with the podcast, that is the superpower. Most people cannot sit down on a Saturday and say, I'm going to finish this project that would take most people three months and I'm going to do it today. (laughs) I can do that. You can do that. A lot of people with ADHD can do that. You know, I might not be able to listen to a 30 minute talk to save my life if I'm not interested in it. You know, I'll probably be checked out the entire time, but if it's something I'm interested in, I'm glued in for hours. Hmm. Yep. Yeah. I I could, I could be glued in for eight hours until I get a headache and I'll ask, why does my head hurt so bad? What is going, why am I getting tired? And then realize, oh my God, I forgot to eat. Yes. (laughs) It's so basic. Yeah. Well, and, and I love what you said about the, the passion um, and, you know, find your passion and, and go from there. Cause I, you know, in my business, I spent is 18 months to figure out what my business was. And I was trying to, to, I knew I was trying to start my own business, but I was trying to do it other people's way. I was trying to create a coaching program or, or a course or something like that. And uh, finally, but like what I really want to do is just meet people all day long. Like if I could just do one-to-ones and podcast interviews and nothing else, that'd be amazing. But that's not a job. Wait, actually, surprise, surprise, it is. That's what networking concierge is. There's three of them in the world. I'm one of them. And and so, you know, instead of going at it from the, I want to, but nobody gets paid for that. Just be like, I want to, and how could somebody get paid for that? Yeah. First, you find the passion. Then you find a problem to solve. Yeah. There, yeah there will, you will never run out of problems to solve in this world. Mm. There's, no, there's It's limitless. Yep. Well, every solution creates a new problem. Sure does. So there's always more problems because there's always another. Each solution is going to, you know, if 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 someone has a lead generation business, well, that's going to create a customer service problem. You got a exactly. customer service business, well, that could that's going to create a delivery problem. So there's always more more problems as more more solutions come around. So that's very powerful. Um, 
So I believe once again, so uh, to pull back the curtain for those of you at home, I used to use Zencaster. It's got a big timer in the corner and now Zoom's actually much more advanced than it used to be. And I use Zoom, which does not have a timer in the corner. So I think we're approaching our time, um, which means I should probably ask you for your final thoughts. Um, so if, if anyone wonders why this was episode is an hour and 14 minutes long, it's because I didn't set a timer. Uh, so <laughs> Tiffany, what, what are your what are your final thoughts you want to leave people with? The final thoughts I have is if you are still concerned or if you're still not convinced, like get out there and talk to people and just have quite like have questions ready, ask people about their experiences with an open mind. You know, I, something I'm really open to talking about is ADHD all the time. You're not sure about this. You know, you're welcome to make me the person you reach out to and say, hey, I heard you have that ADHD thing, too. Can you tell me about it? I love talking about it. I love encouraging people. And, you know, I'm not the only one. There's lots of us out here. There's a very strong, supportive, empowering ADHD community out there. You mm -hmm. just have to find it. And I know we'll help you find your way. But don't, don't lose the hope. <laughs> I love that. Uh, and of course, I got your your Instagram and LinkedIn are in the show notes, so people awesome. can find you there. It looks like it's Coach Tiffany Taylor on yeah. on all platforms. So thank you so much for being on the show. This has been fantastic. I always enjoy talking to you. You have a great great energy and and vibe about it. Uh, and I love your story, and hopefully, it is inspiring to some of the other ADHD folks out there. Absolutely, and thank you so much again for having me. All right, thank you. This has been the Neurodiversity Superpowers Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Whitehouse. Sign up to get every episode at neurodiversitysuperpowers.me. Join our Facebook group on facebook.com slash groups slash neurodiversity superpowers. Thank you so much for joining us, and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. I'm launching a course called Successful ADHD Entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur for a long time, and I've had ADHD for a little bit longer than that. Over that time, I've learned quite a few things that make me quite effective. People even call me organized. After many people ask me to, I have created a course to share what I've learned with you. Get details at neurodiversity.me course. The first run is limited to only 20 students, and the first class is April 20th, so don't put this one off neurodiversity.me slash course.